Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin' Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM. Oh yes, we're heard online too beyond the FM dial here. Just beyond old KSRQ, we're available at radionorthland.org. We stream our audio live and in the moment to the masses. You can also get us live and in the moment on TuneIn. But if you want to listen to some of the archives, if you missed us because you had commitments, you know, sometimes those weekend commitments now that the weather's getting a little bit warmer, uh, I got to go do the lawn or you got to go out shopping or something to do. Even church sometimes gets in the way. Don't fret. Go to radionorthland.org, Rasslin' Memories. We got you covered. Seven seasons. Oh, we're heading into our eighth season. Good Lord, man. We're starting to gray up here on Rasslin' Memories then and now. I'm Glenn Broggett, along with my co-host, way down deep in the heart of Texas, in the mobile studio. Uh, yes, uh, the mobile studio uh, is always a comfortable fit, uh, except, uh, you know, what, how many months out of the year? Uh, Michael McCurdy, the grizzled vet. Welcome to Rasslin' Memories then and now. Good to have us, uh, have us together again, back on on board with another episode. Oh, always, man. And yeah, the mobile studio is not very comfortable for about probably four or five months out of the year, but we're just by heading into those months, you know, the uh, temperature is starting to pick up a little bit. We're in, we're in the seventies today, had a bit of a thunderstorm action last night in the seventies today. And pretty soon to be wrestling memories about 101, but that means the show is going to be hot. I indeedy do. I was looking at my phone. I said, oh, I see 70s too. No, that's like 73% on my cell phone for battery to be used. Oh, well. Well, Mike, I'm going to let you uh, take the floor, my friend. You got yourself a good guest. You got me a good guest to chat with too. A guy, a true appreciator of uh, pro wrestling, the good, the bad, and oh, so sometimes, oh, sometimes a lot in certain periods, the ugly. This is the guy that's covered it all and has a, a sense of humor, and that's something we need, man, more of, especially just in general, not just pro wrestling, but in the world these days, man. Tell us uh, who we got on. Introduce him. I know he's got a limited amount of time today, so let's uh, get out. Come, come out swinging here. It's springtime. Get going. All right, man. I am very proud to have this guest on today. We do have a limited amount of time, but that just means we'll have to bring him back again soon because we're going to have a lot to talk about because we're going to be talking about some of the good, the bad, the ugly, let's say the wrestle crap of professional wrestling, because we have with us none other than the, I, I guess, the creator of wrestle crap, Mr. R.D. Reynolds. R.D., welcome to the show. And I am so honored to be on here, and I can't believe people would, would have other commitments, is, is was said that they would miss this show, and I... This is a first. I have never been introduced by a grizzled veteran, so I feel I feel very honored, very honored to be on the show. Well, man, thank you for joining us. Like we said, limited amount of time, unfortunately, and a little bit of time constraints got to us today, so we're just going to hop right into it. And like I said, we will bring you back again soon for another interview. Because I'm sure we got a lot to talk about. But man, what I'd like to get started with is what we ask all our guests is. What got you first involved in wrestling? What, what, what did you see? Who did you watch that you went, you know, this is what I, I love this. I want it is. And more importantly, what did you see that made you decide, man, I want to talk about how crappy that was. <laughs> okay. I uh, got interested. Uh, a friend of mine uh, would have been in high school. Said, I'm going to be watching. Uh, you know, I asked him to come over and play some video games or something. He said, I can't. I'm watching wrestling tonight. And I was like, wrestling? I didn't even know. I mean, I knew what wrestling was. Professional wrestling, I had never experienced at all. And so I was like, oh, man, I better I better watch this. It must be something important. So uh, it was primetime wrestling. And I saw a British Bulldogs match. And it was awesome. And I was like, oh, man, I, 
I just absolutely love this. I, I want to see more of it. Uh, but what really, that's what kind of set the hook. Uh, but what really got me completely to where I could not miss an episode of primetime wrestling was, uh, Bobby, the brain, Heenan. uh, just love, I love comedy. I love to laugh. And Bobby Heenan was so funny and just, he just, he just nailed it. Like I, I, he could talk about anything. Uh, I mean, he could read out of a phone book, and I'm sure he would make it funny. I always hear him doing it now, you know, just making fun of people's names out of a phone book. I can I totally see that. Uh, Bobby Heenan was was the reason. I mean, that was the, the long and short of it. I was very blessed to be able to meet him uh, many years later, and he and I kind of struck up a friendship, which is, is something I always treasure as well. As far as what got me to want to write about the or talk about the worst of wrestling, which is what WrestlePrep.com is all about, been around for 19 years, and we, we try and find the absolute dirt worst in professional wrestling. So, honestly, we can just make fun of it. And what got me started on that, I've always had an affinity for wanting to uh, look at the worst of things because, you know, it makes me laugh. And uh, it all happened, it all started, I think, whenever I was a kid, and we had this book, and it was called The Book of Lists, and it was this oddball book that just had all these strange lists, and it wasn't about anything in particular. Um, It wasn't like, here's a list, you know, here's a book of political lists, here's a book of uh, different sports lists. It was just all these weird lists, and one of the lists, I'll never forget was the absolute worst, re- uh, excuse me, the worst movies of all time. And I read through that list, I know, hundreds of times. And I was just laughing every time thinking about, oh, look, they made a movie where John John Wayne uh, portrayed Genghis Khan. You know, who would have come up with that idea? And so I always had an affinity for the very worst. And, uh, you know, I was blessed to be able to write several different books, WrestleCraft books, Death of WCW. And then I was able to uh, honor that list, that book of lists because we did the rest of book of lists as well. So that, that's where the worst of uh, uh, mentality came from. Well, see, for myself, I've always enjoyed kind of, it's the so bad it might be good because there's nothing I love more than you go to a video store or, or nowadays you're streaming and you find some movie or t- this just sounds absolutely horrendous. You pop it in and that's exactly what it is. It's absolutely horrible but it's so bad that it's entertaining. It makes you laugh. And that's what's great about professional wrestling because even unintentionally, some of the worst things that they come up with are going to be entertaining. For me, one of my personal favorites, and we'll talk about it a little bit, I'm sure you have an opinion on this one, always been my personal favorite, is none other than the Shockmaster. It was totally unintentional, though. It was never meant to be bad, but that's what happened. And that's what became great about it was just this absurdity of the man busting through the wall, tripping over his own two feet, but they continued with it. And that's kind of what makes some of the bad about professional wrestling so great. Yeah, and, and I, I, yeah, I love the Shockmaster. It, it was great because he came out in, like, this Stormtrooper helmet that someone, like, you know, just dumped glitter all over, and that was supposed to be his look. I, it wasn't something he came up with. It was something where they said, here's here's your outfit. Go out there and do this. We want you to bust through a wall. Uh, we're not going to tell you that there's a bunch of two-by-fours that are holding the base of the wall up. That could be a potential trip hazard. We won't tell you that. We're just going to have you go through that wall, 
and and God bless you if you happen to fall on your face and the helmet falls off, which is exactly what happened to him, uh, to Fred Ottman, the man who uh, was the Shockmaster. And, you know, it's interesting to me because a lot of times, ever since day one at WrestleCraft, my whole thinking was, these are just guys trying to put food on the table for their family. It wasn't his idea to have that Stormtrooper glitter helmet. It wasn't his idea, you know, and, and obviously he didn't mean to fall down on his face. He was just a guy trying to make a living. Someone else had told him to do that. And it took a long time for a lot of guys to be able to go and, like, laugh. Oh, my God, I did that. And that was such a, you know, it was it was a bad, you know, obviously I, it was awful at the time. But then years later, you go, wait a minute, this is something people remember. And to this day now, Fred Ottman portrayed the Shockmaster. Great, 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 great guy. He will go to wrestling conventions and he'll carry the silver, you know, Stormtrooper helmet with him so that people can, you know, put it on and get pictures of Fred. And, and he can laugh about it now. And that was something that was really hard for a lot of people in the business. Uh, to be able to do, but it, it's gotten so much looser now, and people are able to go, you know what, that was a really, at the time, it was really embarrassing for me, but people remember it, and they laugh about it, so why not Why not celebrate it? Exactly. Now, when you're looking at things, you know, and you're, you're re- like researching, watching however this works, and you see these moments, not, is there ever a time where you kind of look at something and go, you know, that's just so bad, I can't. I can't do it because I would think something like, you know, Katie Vick, that's something that just leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths because I, I don't know if that was meant to be taken seriously at the time, but is there something that's ever been so bad? You've just went, no, I can't do it. You know, it's so funny. You mentioned Katie Vick. Uh, Katie Vick was uh, for the uninitiated, uh, the WWF, WWE in their infinite wisdom, uh, decided that they would do and, this may drive some people off, and I understand why. They decided they were going to do an angle where <clears throat> it was a, it was a necrophilia angle, and no one. If you hear that today, you're like, how on earth would that ever make television? How on earth would anyone ever go? You know what would really play well in professional wrestling is a necrophilia angle where somebody claims that you know you you can run with that, and. But it happened. It happened. You know, they had this mannequin dressed up in a cheerleader outfit, and it was so, so stupid and such in such poor taste. It's, I mean, it's just amazing to me that that ever cleared uh, and and made it to television. I think what's even more amazing is my good friend who works on WrestleCraft uh, with me, uh, Blade Braxton, somehow convinced me that whenever WWE put the cheerleader outfit that Katie wore up for sale that we should buy that. And I actually own the Katie Vick cheerleader outfit. So, yeah, I, I, there's pretty much no uh, – there's never been anything that was, like, so, so awful that I would not cover it. You know, except for, like, the death of Owen Hart or something like that. I would never cover a blue blazer or something like that. But anything else is, is kind of, I try, 
I always try and look at it and go, okay, is there comedy here? Is there something that can make people laugh? Um, because that's how I've always viewed, I've never viewed the site is, you know, how many visitors can I have? How many likes can I get? It was always just, I just want to make people laugh. And if it's three people I make laugh, great. If it's 300,000 people I make laugh, that's great too. So speaking of, you know, things that make us laugh and think maybe even things that make us cringe, I'm going to bring Glenn back into the conversation here. No, not a jab at you, Glenn, but you know, some some gems have been unearthed recently on the uh, WWE Network that I'm sure you might like to talk a little bit about with our guests today. So. Well, thank you for uh, clarifying all of that, but you know, because I was like, wow, man, thanks for that intro. I put you over like a million bucks, and now you're just kicking my ass around. Whoa, thank you. Thank you. The honor. I thought you'd gone for a smoke or something. I didn't know what happened. Nah, 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 no. I'm, I'm laying at my Craftmatic adjustable bed that I got for a really good deal. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I was sitting back. I usually just kind of hang back let Mike do his thing. Uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about some of this stuff that's been going up on on uh, WWE's uh, hidden gems, and I want to something. I want to, and I wanted to connect it to uh, my backyard here in Minnesota, uh, of course, uh, Minnesota, the AWA. Just just to be on on the on the fair, you know. I just think it, it's only right while I have the time to chat with you. Two things that really come to mind here. I mean, because they put out some pretty cool stuff on the hidden gems from like the Thanksgiving and the Christmas shows and stuff in the AWA, which was really based basic camera stuff, but it was nice to see, uh, you know, that's the stuff I started watching early eighties, you know, when I first was a young, young kid watching it, but boy, when I, I, re- I can still, there's uh, some really grim reminders of what, what happened to the AWA post, uh, Vince expansion and a couple of clear examples was the one that everyone obviously knows already. We're talking about the team challenge series and how they, uh, they, they, they tried so hard on this. Well, at least AWA standards. I mean, cause if you want to really gauge, uh, I, I'm going to use it on the Vern uh, gauge because, you know, Vern was, uh, still having, you know, he was still kind of lost in the 50s, you know, as far as the pop culture stuff. So it was really kind of a bold quantum leap for him and, and what he was representing, his company was representing. But in, what, 1989, 1990, whoa, this this production still uh, came out uh, fresh dated, I, I should say, uh, when it was released. It was never released, but what was on Earth, it really did remind you of just the dire straits they were in. What, what could you t- say? What was your takeaway from seeing this AWA Team Challenge uh, lost episode that they were... Basically, this was initially a pilot to uh, plug something you know, like into the syndicated market uh, with, with the uh, Team Challenge. They really had some lofty aspirations for this. Uh, I can remember reading even in some of the magazines and, and, and some of the papers at the time initially. But let's. I want to hear what your take is uh, first on the team challenge, the uh, lost unearthing of well, the pilot episode. Yeah, it's so funny because I had covered the team challenge series years and years and years ago. I mean, I was one of the. I remember when I started Russell Crap, I thought, okay, what am I going to cover? Okay, Shockmaster, Gobbledygooker. Oh, I've got to talk team challenge series. Uh, and that was in AWA whenever they were, they were uh, in dire straits and they were trying to reinvent themselves. Uh, so they came up with this idea, we're going to have these, these teams uh, work together and, and we're going to try and make wrestling a team sport. It's something different. If you're failing, you, you know, the, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So trying something different, that was fine. Uh, I'll never forget because the thing I always remembered about the Team Challenge series was, okay, at the end, or they, they had a match that was a Thanksgiving match uh, where they 
fought. It was like a turkey on a pole match. And they had to go and get get a turkey, a you know, a raw turkey mm-hmm. that was hanging from a pole. It was like the most ridiculous thing ever until until that pilot came out where they showed, uh, you know, these these video walls. They would show guys, and it was all green screened, blue screened, whatever. They're walking towards the ring, and they they would just superimpose footage of fans, you know, cheering. Yeah, I got here. I'm going to cut in. What the, the heck was the deal? It looked completely horrible. Yeah, what was up with that? Because I was looking. You know, they're cutting away to this crowd, and it looks like they're sitting in a bar or a comedy club, uh, uh, watching anything but wrestling. You know what it almost looked like to me, and I know this wasn't it, but my brain just kind of comprehended this, comprehended it this way. Is it looked like whenever you. You know, if if you watch movies now, they always come with the extras and deleted scenes. And sometimes you'll see like a uh, like a Star Wars film where it's a deleted scene, but they never <clears throat> they didn't actually film it or they didn't generate all of the the CGI for it. It almost looked to me like they they were showing it to people and going, "Okay, this is what it would look like. Just imagine that there are actually real people." You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I, I can pilot. So uh, that's kind of what—that's uh, the only way my brain could comprehend. I mean, they couldn't honestly think, "Yeah, we're going to go show this to, to people and, and get a TV deal out of it." I, I think they would have had to think, "This is this is kind of the concept. This is concept art. This is not actual what the real production looked like." Yeah, I gotta agree, and, and and the stuff that was in that uh, that pilot. Uh, I mean, if you were gonna compare it to what was aired around that time, it, it, it again, it, it didn't look, didn't have even the polish of, of an American Gladiators or uh, the short-lived Rock and Roller Games. Right. Oh, don't. Oh man, you, you hit a soft spot with me. Roller games. I actually have a roller games pinball machine, baby. I can sing rock, rock, rock and roller games. Oh man, I, I I think next I, time we do next time we got next time the three of us are doing karaoke, that's what I'm gonna do. Absolutely, and I'm gonna dedicate that song to Skinny Mini. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna go for the team challenge now to this gym that came up. I challenged the Grizzle Vet Mike McCurdy to watch this because when he saw in the description of it, I mentioned it to him. He went in and checked it out. He was he was already kind of getting the, the shivers. He didn't know if he was gonna open that ugly door, and I kept telling him, "Come on in, just give it a chance, watch it, take it. It is what it is." And it, what what that was was a a bit of a blank show, but it, it was the uh, the battle of the breakfast cereals. What in the hell? This must have been the time, you know, because you remember watching the AWA. I remember watching it on the syndicated and uh, and back here in northern Minnesota, and there'd be commercials. Uh, you can bring AWA to your hometown for your, your next event at your gymnasium for a fundraiser, etc. And I remember you had to get a hold of Rob Russon and all that. Do you think this was one of those where Rob Russon hit the mother load? He's like, oh man, yeah, I got the cereal companies fighting with each other. Kellogg's is going to make the NWO. I mean, you could not the NWO because that didn't happen back then. But yeah, if I was a time traveler, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring them into the backyard of you know General Mills, and we're gonna have this show, and we want the AWA to put on a, an event and combine breakfast cereal with speeches and. Oh man, and it was—I can't explain it and any further. I, yeah, and, and shelf space, <laughs> and, and that was that was that was that was my favorite thing. That, 
Other than when they when they're putting new primetime wrestling on, that may be my favorite thing they've ever ever put on the network. <laughs> I was watching it and I had heard about it. And I had so many people. Oh my gosh, you got to watch it! You got to watch it! And I, as I, I just had it on, and, and my wife, who doesn't watch wrestling with me anymore, she was in she was in the room, and neither and she was just transfixed, as as was I. Neither of us could take our eyes off of this because it was this, you know, Kellogg's and, and, uh, and general mills, I guess we're in some kind of blood feud over <laughs> breakfast cereals. And, you know, whether raisin bran or raisin nut bran was, was the best. <clears throat> and they were going to, you know, the great thing about that is they had wrestlers come out and they had the bad guys. And it literally said bad guys on their entrance where they would come out the bad guys would be named after uh, General Mills cereals, and the good guys would just come out wearing Kellogg's jackets. But what was so great about that, they would come out, they would do a match or two, you know, and say, okay, you know, the, the, the guy that's the representing Honey Nut Cheerios just lost to the guy that was representing Frosted Flakes or whatever. That was fine. And you're like, okay, that's kind of cute, kind of campy. No, 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 no. Then they would have the actual executives from Kellogg's get in the ring and start doing these raw, raw, you know, new rock me, you know, crazy promos about how, you know, they were going to take down General Mills and how General Mills were just a bunch of scumbags. I think they almost even called them scumbags. And they said they were going to, they're these executives. You can tell, you know, it never been anywhere near a, a wrestling ring or anything else. These executives that got in the wrestling ring, and we're talking about how, you know, we're going to fight these guys. We're going to fight these General Mills guys with commercials. We're going to fight them in the loading docks, in, like every, in the cereal aisles. And I'm like, wait a minute. What, aren't you guys taking this a little too far? I mean, is that, is that really where Tony the Tiger would have wanted you to go? And it's really too bad that, you know, the, the, the one thing, the only thing that was missing is, you know, Tony the Tiger. I mean, Lee Marshall, who was the, was a voice in the AWA, actually was also the voice of Tony the Tiger for years. It was a, it was a missed opportunity. That's, well, that's all I'll say. Oh, my God. Watching that. Yeah. I never knew when I, after I watched it, you know, I'm like, man, thinking back in time to that period, I'm like, geez, I didn't know there was so much heat in the breakfast cereal game. I was like, man, this was, uh, they were, they were almost running Biggie Tupac prequel here on this stuff. The way they were, uh, they were going at it with these interviews, uh, these little speeches, these rah-rah speeches yelling about cereal. And you know, them guys are half in the bag in the crowd. You can kind of watch that. But one of the funniest ones was one of the guys was speaking and he got the conversation, got to Wheaties and he said, ah, Michael Jordan, he said, I ain't going to float basically. Uh, he was basically just bragging about how Wheaties couldn't get it done. They're not going to get it done with Michael Jordan. Jesus, I wonder how that Michael Jordan experiment went. Yeah, I know. It was so, it was so awesome. And, like, even now, like, you go, like, it's so funny. We actually, like, it's right after we saw this, I mean, even now, when my wife goes to the grocery, because it left such a lasting impact, this absurd Russell Craftastic you know, special on WWE Network from the AWA almost 30 years ago. When she goes to the, when she goes to the grocery and she's in the cereal, I'll just start getting texts, you know, and it'll show like, you know, honeycomb, 
and it'll show a thumbs up, and then I'll get, you know, you know, the Honey Nut Cheerios, and there'll be a big thumbs down. It's just, it, it, it's awesome. It's awesome. And it's, it, it, it makes me laugh. I was so glad that stuff was on Earth, because I'm always looking. Hey, I've been doing this website for 20 years, and I've been following wrestling for, you know, 35 years. I'm tr- always trying to find new stuff, and I'm so glad that there's so much Russell crap out there that even I have never seen. Oh my God! I, you gotta think there's gotta be some more of it as we chip away on this oh, yeah. uh, in, in the years to come, especially oh, yeah. the AWA stuff. I mean, the the way they did a lot of cross pollinating down in the Twin Cities with events and stuff down there that were more city centric. Oh, there's gotta be some just stuff that they have uh, taped. I mean, good lord, the Barry Zavan interviews alone. Well, I I, mean, I just keep thinking, okay, they used to go and do these television conventions and everything else, you know, and and just appearances. You know, elsewhere that they would they would have taped and backstage. Oh, there's so much. I know there's so much. I know there's so much. There's got to be. Gotta, yeah, I, I got to get back on this show sometime so we can, so we can. Uh, trust me, I could talk for six hours about that AWAD team challenge series. <laughs> and you know what? The funniest thing out of that serial, another funny moment was. Wahoo McDaniel walking out there and having a different yeah. name. He's just like you could just tell on Wahoo. He's like, uh, uh, pay me. I'm uh, I'm already. I already had drinks with the boys before the matches. I'm just, just get this right. done with. Yeah, exactly. Well, it looks like uh, we got a little bit of time. Not too much left here with you here on this very short interview. But like I said, the door's going to be open because I think once we get the uh, the floodgates open on some good rassle creptacular stuff, that it's going to be uh, uh, easy money to get it to the uh, sixty minute Broadway. But I'm going to put Michael McCurdy back in the Grizzled Bet to uh, you know send you off in grand style and ask whatever he needs to ask before you get on your way today. Well, whatever I need to ask, I need to ask a lot because, like I said. You know, this conversation, he said it too, this conversation could go for hours just talking about the greatest, you know, wrestle crap of all time. I'm going to touch on one more real quick before we have to wrap up with our guests. And yes, I will be getting in contact with you, RD. We will have you back on again in a couple of weeks for a full one hour interview this time. We're not going to have any meetings and other things come up. They're going to, you know, edit our, our conversation. But I'd like to talk a little bit about this. And it kind of ties into the Shockmaster a little bit. And that's the Black Scorpion angle the black scorpion was sting. And the reason why I say it ties into the shock master is because obviously the voice of the black scorpion and the voice of the shock master are the exact same person, but the black scorpion angle by far, probably even sting probably looks back on it and thinks, what the hell was I thinking at that time? It had great ideas. They had aspirations for it, but unfortunately due to disputes with other talent, it ended up being what we know now. Right, no, the, the, the Black Scorpion was a, was a great idea, and, and like a lot of things that are on, uh, you know, on uh, that we classify as Russell crap, they're good ideas in theory. They're good ideas on paper, uh, but the execution, whenever it happens, not quite so much. And one of the things you always want to keep in mind is when you start uh, anything in life. Uh, be it a be it your tax returns, uh, be it your uh, whatever it may be, whatever you're going to have for dinner, you want to keep in mind. Okay, what is the beginning of this, and what is the end of this? And <clears throat> the Black Scorpion, I think, was a classic example. We're going to have a guy that is going to be tormenting Sting, who is our good guy babyface. Uh, he is going to torment, and he's going to be this mystery man. Uh, 
that's great as long as you know at the end who the mystery man is going to be. And uh, unfortunately, when they started the Black Scorpion angle, they did all these mystery vignettes, and some left quite a bit to be desired, like one where he turned a guy from the audience into a tiger or something. So he had some kind of magic uh, that was never fully explained. And if he was that good a magician, I don't know why he'd have been in pro wrestling, especially WCW in the uh, in the late '80s, early '90s. But he. Uh, they never knew who who the Black Scorpion it was. A, it was a mask guy, but they didn't know who who was going to be under the mask. So that was a that was a uh, you know that was just another thing that we can talk about, but you know for for hours on end. Believe me, but it's actually how I met one of my best friends is through the Black Scorpion. So, oh, that's a teaser. <laughs> something, something, something good came out of it, and unfortunately, like that's you said, in my research, I've I've read about it. And the initial idea was the was either supposed to be um, Dave Sheldon, which is the angel of death, which would have made sense, or it was supposed to have been Al Perez. But unfortunately, due to contract talent issues, those did not work out. So they kind of had an end game on this one. But unfortunately, everything kind of fell apart. So they went with, hey, let's cut Flair's hair, put him under a mask, and we're just going to it's going to be Ric Flair at the end, which is kind of where it all petered out when you realize, right. but it wasn't the original intention. Exactly. Angel of death. Like I said, that would have made sense because originally that's one of the guys that sting was, was training with at, was at that time. So right. But he was if, part if of that. Class, un- so. him, if you'd have unmasked him and it was the angel of death, would anyone have cared? You know what I mean? I mean, you kind of have to think it through a little more. They, 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 it needed to be thought through a little more than that. So, I think a lot. I think a lot of things could have been true. And by the way, the magic trick because I see. I remember the thing. <laughs> the the magic trick with the lion and the the tiger in the cage and all that. That involved a very lovely young lady from the audience who eventually ran screaming and like jumped into Sting's arms. And that was it. Uh, I believe Clash of the Champions. Correct. Oh yeah, yeah. Trust me. I, again, it's something we can talk about for hours. Trust me. Well, I suppose we better uh, uh, let. I suppose we would let you get going here. I, I do want to thank you so much for this uh, little bit of a taste, a little teaser here uh, on this edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Uh, we're going to be, uh, like I said, Mike is going to be uh, get you uh, booked up here in the next for, for an appearance here in the next couple of weeks, and we'll open it up. We'll have some open time. Uh, yeah, we'll go the Broadway. I think we could go the Broadway and beyond if we, like you said, about just on one topic alone. But could you imagine the ideas? That, I think we should all have ideas that we could bring to the plate the next time and get you know a full full. T- full serving of, of that good old tasty old wrestling wrestle crap thank you so much Artie thank you guys for having me on yes we'll get hold of you soon bye bye all right, Mike McCurdy, uh, wrestling and memories then and now. Pardon me. A uh, very fun and lively uh, taste of what's to come here uh, with uh, with uh, the wonderful R.D. Reynolds Wrestle Crap. Uh, of course, the website is www.wrestlecrap.com. It's a good thing. That's what the thing is, the beauty of a teaser. It always makes you want a little bit more. Well, you know, I was looking forward to having R.D. on. And unfortunately, like I said, you know, life kind of played a unfortunate card for us today and it just wasn't in the cards to have rd on for the entire hour but as soon as you know we're done this episode's in the can i'm going to be getting a hold of him again we'll have him back in a couple weeks or a full hour because there's so much more you can talk about with rd other than wrestle crap oh my. 
Starcast 2, the death of WCW. You know, you don't want the guy just be, well, he is kind of known as, as the WrestleCrap guy, but he's more than that. Oh, and I'd like to talk a little bit about that as well. So he's definitely going to be somebody we got to have back. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, you brought it back uh, up here. The death of WCW, the book that he co-authored with Brian Alvarez. I mean, the uh, the book that had uh, an, an updated printing. He added more stuff to it just a few years ago uh, and ended up on the, on the, the StarCast, uh, you know, on one of the programs on there. Uh, he also has a, a, a bit of a, an interesting relationship with a couple of those guys that were featured prominently for good or for bad in that story of WCW, uh, Eric Bischoff and uh, Vince Russo. So that'd be kind of fun to pick his brain on uh, what it's been like, uh, you know, doing some of these panels with those guys and dealing with them beforehand when the book first came out and then when the book got updated. Yeah, I don't think Eric Bischoff likes him very much. I remember that from StarCast. Eric Bischoff seems to kind of, you know, have a little issue with him, but I guess because, you know, maybe his book was a little too honest. I think so. I think it it, it struck a nerve uh, enough for for good old Eric uh, to get to get riled up. And uh, yeah, I think it was really fun today that he we had a little bit of a chance to kind of offer up a couple of mini topics uh, because I mean the stuff that he covers, uh, you know, on Russell Crap, Russell Crap Radio, and and, and the Russell Crap well, now the website. Uh, he's got so many like cool things, so many little segments through the years that he's put on that it'd be kind of fun just to to uh, revisit and maybe even put some modern spin on it. You know. Like uh, he's had categories like someone bought this, uh, uh, rewriting the book. There was a column on there from well, not just him, but some of the other contributors on the website, Curtain Jerker. I mean, just all kinds of different things because, you know, there's just so much depth and so many layers into what truly defines what what uh, some of the, what the, the term wrestle crap can truly mean, Mike. I mean, we only just chipped off a little piece for the listeners today uh, about what, what uh, we can, the, the possibilities of what we can go and where we can go with this conversation. Oh, exactly. And I'm looking forward to more conversation with RD because, like you said, we just scratched the surface. And, yes, there is the things like, you know, you know who, who bought this or why did they release this? Why would you release this? There's another good question. You know, for example, there's a, uh, there's a shirt. There's, this is a shirt I've always liked. For some reason, they thought this is a great idea for a shirt. And that was the Acolyte Protection Agency, the APA. I don't know if you ever saw this shirt. It was only on the shop zone for a very brief amount of time, but it has the APA protection agency on the back and on the front and on the back. It said APA always pounding ass. I apologize Oops. for my language on this one. I know we're Sundays at noon during the church crowd, but they thought this was a good idea to release a shirt that said that <laughs> you got to look back at that marketing and realize, you know, that takes a totally different connotation. Well, you know, they were. Well, you know, that was again in that era of stuff where they were really pushing the envelope. This was, I think, maybe an unintentional thing, but you can, I can remember some of the merch that they they put out. I mean, I I really have to go back and look in some mag, you know, older magazines uh, that I have at home or at my parents' house of of some of the old WWF uh, Attitude Era. Just to go into the catalog again, I think I remember having a. Uh, a t-shirt i think it was one of the, with the godfather with the little marijuana leaves and it said uh yeah a smoke of fatty with the pimp daddy and it had his little cartoon character on caricature on the front of it i remember that i remember seeing stuff like pillman had some interesting shirts on there dx of course and just the way in austin they really did ramp it up uh, as far as the the merch it wasn't just you know the the old days you know when you had stephanie posing in some some wrestler shirts back in the uh the 80s when we had the wwf magazine taking flight well, yeah, and even nowadays they still have you know marketing issues. On sometimes they released a uh, um, a Becky Lynch shirt that was like you know the you know last kicker or whatever, 
which, you know, if a guy's wearing, and they had that in a men's shirt. If you're, if you're a guy wearing a shirt that says last kicker, people might take the wrong connotation on that one. You know, you might end up getting uh, called into the police or beating, you know, your girlfriend or your wife. Cause you're walking around with a shirt that says last kicker. I think eventually they may have pulled the men's version of it and they made a ladies version of it. And I think, I don't even know if the shirt exists anymore, but you know, good intentions, but like RD said, you know, they don't think through and kind of the, the final result is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about the black scorpion, he's right. If they unmask, you know, the black scorpion, it's the angel of death. Nobody was going to know who the angel of death was. Hey now, hey now. It would have tied great into Sting's storyline, his career, because he trained with the angel of death. But nobody in their right mind would have known who he was. Yeah, except, I would have. I would have. I'm sure you would as well. But yeah. oh, absolutely. I would have been like, yeah, I didn't know that guy from UWF or you know for Calgary, you know. But I think again, that was one of those things. They, they, uh, I really didn't like have a, a, a really solid end game because I think if they would have been able to have a little more time to kind of work it out, I mean, I think that they could have been able to, instead of just having that just tremendous debacle at the end where they just eventually put a bunch of different people out there and eventually revealed it in the main match to be flair. I think that you could have made it a two prong thing with, uh, if, and building up the character uh, with the Dave Sheldon and possibly an Al Perez, because then you wouldn't have too many people, but you can have the uh, the one and two just kind of switch it up, but don't like drop them at the same time, but just kind of mess with Sting's head. They have somebody that knows him, and then somebody who kind of has a connection to him. So he kind of has this feeling where he goes, he's going one way with the topic, and then some this other guy emerges as well. So I think maybe two Black Scorpions would have worked, but not not the way they did it at the end. I mean, you could just tell they were scrambling. Oh, exactly. And the great thing about it was, I see, I never got to see any of these house shows because living in California and that was back, WCW is pretty much so regional. They still stayed in the, uh, you know, their, their territories, but they had house shows where Sting would wrestle the Black Scorpion. It wasn't just on TV and the Black Scorpion one night was, you know, six foot five. And then the next day he might've been, you know, six foot tall it was whoever they could find to put in the outfit, put on the mask, and have them go out and wrestle Sting. You know, so you know the 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 score, the Black Scorpion was truly a magician because he went from all sorts of different shapes and sizes. They never had the same guy. I think Flair was the Black Scorpion once. I think that was the Starcade. I think that was the time he was the Black Scorpion. That was I think, the only time he was dressed up as a Black Scorpion. Other than that, it was whoever they had in the back. They just said, "Here, here's the mask. I'll put it on." And the thing, too, was like for Flair to, uh, I guess, put on the mask and try to get out of Ric Flair mode stylistically, because I guess that was almost a battle in and of itself. Because, again, you have such a move set like Flair's that is basically even some of his best uh, autopilot is better than some people's, uh, you know, finest moments in the ring. Well, exactly. And once you started watching that Starcade match, you started seeing some of the moves and all that, you kind of started to realize who it was. He tried to cover it as best he could. You know, and then they pull off the one mask and he's still got the other one underneath and you see the blonde hair and that's where he lost it. But he still tried. He still tried. I'll, I'll give him that. But Glenn, you know, you brought up one and you brought up the Team Challenge Series, which is probably one of the creme de la craps of, you know, professional wrestling. Great concept, but just ugly ass execution. You know, a turkey on a pole and whatever. But you brought up the breakfast cereal. It was so hard for me to sit through that. It was not just garbage. It was like a hot steaming pile of fresh garbage. It was so bad. I don't even think at that time they thought execution wise, Hey, this is a great idea. I don't think, you know, 
you know, the, the drug era was the 60s and 70s. That was the day of, the, of the, all the pills and Timothy Leary. So I don't even think they were under the influence of some great substances when they came up with the cereal. Because they named wrestlers after cereal. It wasn't just representing a cereal. They named them after the cereals. Could you imagine though, Mike, you're in a meeting with, with a guy, a representative from the AWA. I don't know if it'd be Vern or if it was like Rob Russin or somebody who was representing, uh, you know, putting together these shows, these, uh, these, uh, special events. I mean, like I said, they, they, they primarily went the, uh, spot show fundraiser route, but I, I never really, this is kind of the first that I ever knew of, uh, them, do, you know, doing a private function like this and, and what an undertaking, but you got to think that meeting had to have been pretty interesting as they were laying it out, you know, the wrestler, the promoter laying it out to the guy who was probably the head of the cereal, you know, the Kellogg's guy who was probably a wrestling fan, you know, because Kellogg's is what, but Battle Creek, Michigan, you know, so you're in wrestling country, wrestling country, and maybe you got a guy who was just a little too enthusiastic, you know, with his pitch, and, and, and all the while he's putting down some decent money. I could just picture that, the guy just sitting in, well, I want this, I want the bad, I want the bad guys to be, of course, of course, represent the General Mills, we're going to be, but then the whole thing is, they're invading Kellogg's is invading the General Mills market of of Minnesota and General Mills. Twin Cities, such a strong, strong ties to, to General Mills. So it's like, I really think like AWA turned on Minnesota, really, in uh, having these guys come in as the babyface invaders. So it was kind of like a bizarro world sort of thing, because when you think about it, it's, you know, we're going right in their backyard, we're going to do this and all, where it just, it didn't it didn't seem too much like a babyface thing when you really come to think about it as far as the histories and, and where these companies exist and, and originate from. Like I said, man, I don't think thinking was ever a, a theory in this special. And you're talking about going to the executives. Imagine the bookers and the writers that had to go to the guys and go, "Hey, man, here's a great idea. You're going to come out and you're going to be you're going to represent Total Cereal, and your name is going to be Total, and you're going to it." it yeah, you know, like you said, Wahoo McDaniel probably looked like he hit, tied on a few. I'm thinking most of the guys probably tied on a couple before they came out and uh, you know represented their their brand and played their 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 cereal. I you know g- maybe they could have gone with a new concept and you could have had like you know Tony the Tiger versus you know uh, um, the Frog from Honey something like that. You know, hey, let's, let's really get entertaining. But I think that's that, think- all around. I think it was a little cut rate, though. They probably couldn't afford the outfits, maybe. They're like, well, darn it. We took all the money and we put it into the wrestling. We forgot the budget for the outfits, and now we got to go renting them. Then that's going to cost too much. And the thing was, yeah, Wahoo just looked like, just get it over with. He looked like a guy who was just walking emotionally wounded through that and just put it on the best autopilot, the deepest autopilot that he could find within himself to to get through that. But, you know, you talked about the guys who were representing Total Serial and all that. You know, I think the ones I, if I'm going to give MVPs out, Mike Enos and Wayne Bloom, to me, deserve uh, a little extra pay in their envelope for that night because, yeah, they went with it and they even had gimmick robes and they they were the ones, I think, that had a little bit more spirit out of it as far as the others. I mean, yeah, of course, you got the baby faces and that's the usual uh, bit with them, but I think those guys, they got kind of got into the spirit of it uh, with their characters. Well, you know, at that point in time, I also think that, you know, the Destruction Crew and, you know, they were still they were still new, so you know they they hadn't been around. You know Wahoo McDaniel, that that poor man. He he wrestled Rick Flair. He wrestled Greg Hammer Valentine, and now look at what he's doing. You know maybe these guys. You know they were still new to the business. They were still new out there. 
you know, they didn't look back on it and go, Christ, look what I've become, you know, because they, they had bigger and better things coming along in, the, in their horizons. At least you would hope. Well, well, thankfully, Manny Fernandez wasn't on the event and uh, had him have him wrestle walk. But man, when you think about it, though, if you wanted a good knockdown in the spirit of what those speeches and propaganda propagated speeches were uh, from from the Kellogg <laughs> folks, why not bring Manny in there? You could have had breakfast cereal. You could have Lucky Charms total cereal, a little bit of blood with him and Wahoo. Now, you, these guys were already in that bloodthirsty mode. Why not bring it a step higher? It's not like you were playing it to kids at the time. It was a private function. Just an idea. I don't think I'm that far off in it. Well, no, and who knows? There might be some minor gems coming up that we haven't seen that maybe involve something like that because you had the weird pilot episode with the blue-screened audience at the sports bar, then you had the serial thing. you got to know AWA's got some other stuff kind of, you know, you know, in their uh, in their arsenal there that you know they haven't released because by the time I saw them, it was on ESPN. It was on well, I think Saturday nights, and I think eventually they moved beyond it like 3 o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of the weekday, but whichever it was. But, you know, I saw it, and they determined their AWA champion by the winner of a battle royal. So, you know, they were kind of, you know, that was Larry Zabisco time. They were kind of getting down towards the end of it, but you got to think maybe they do still have some, uh, you know, unearthed stuff that maybe we just haven't seen. I mean, the network is just a great way to find out what's just horrible. Oh, Even yeah. WWE is still producing, is still producing, you know, crap. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, yeah. There's never going to be like uh, the day where it's like, yes, all this content is going to be so valuable and so needed. No, no, no. Wherever there's good stuff, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of fat covering the, the covering that. Uh, with, exactly. With, with you got to remind me when RD's on again. I want to talk about Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton because, you know, those are two stellar athletes and that could have been a great feud. But, you know, Randy Orton torched the house and then they fought the match in the house and then they had the match with the, with the images that kept flashing on the, the ring, like maggots and whatever else. And, you know, they, they that was a great feud They could have gone so much. And then they made it, well, they made it weird. And speaking of weird, you know, you got vignettes coming up on Monday night raw with some weird little buzzard looking thing in a box that sounds like he's got asthma, but, Supposedly that might be Bray Wyatt. Oh God! And, and man, whenever I see some sort of uh, you know uh, whether it's a ventriloquist puppet or or something to the extent, I mean, yeah, I've been seeing that too. And it's, there's a part of me like, yeah, you kind of know where it's heading, but then at the same time, it's like, what are they going to do with this? I mean, yeah, they could probably get a few uh, weeks of interesting out of it, but then where is this going to go that isn't uh, right in that same category as like a Rocco or, you know, even beyond a ventriloquist puppet with uh, poor Perry Saturn with Moppy. I, I, I loved Moppy. I, I loved Moppy myself. Well, yeah. Perry Saturn is a very under, you know, well, you, you, you can't really say underutilized wrestler because his ECW time was great, you know, and they did well with him in there. And, but when he was in the WWE, he was such, they, they missed so many opportunities. And even when he did the, you know, the comical things like his weird little, when he would tell the little speeches about, and monkeys, you know, eat bananas because chickens lay eggs or whatever he would say. It was still entertaining and you you, you loved watching it. Because Perry Saturn, man, he put, whatever they gave him, he put his time and his effort into it. I'd hate to see a guy like that be remembered for, you know, moppy and things like that. But man, he he went with it. He was given a job and he rolled with it and he, and he played it. He disappeared for a while. Now he's back, you know, you think oh, we all know what happened with him, but still, you know, Perry Saturn is just one of those guys that 
yeah, bad, bad around, but you know, you want to be remembered that, you know, it wasn't just that. So, well, you know, before we we get wrapped up here, we talk about Perry Saturn, but we could play, uh, you know, uh, the what if, what if uh, scenario here. And my ultimate what if would be, what if Eddie wouldn't have injured himself on the night the Radicals debuted on Raw? Where would this would have went as far as like changing up the schematic of some of their these guys in their career? Because that kind of messed things up just a little bit. I mean, there could have been a, just a little bit of an alteration to it. I always wonder there could have been a slight shift in where some of these guys would have been going if Eddie would have, uh, you know, that that wouldn't have went down. I'm thinking a little bit, just a little, nothing major catastrophic, but somewhat some some seismic moves. Oh, definitely, man. If you look back at the history of wrestling. You know, what if this didn't happen? What if this didn't happen? You know, or what if this happened? You know, wrestling's kind of built on that. And then in, in some ways, it's created stars. And in other ways, it's also, you know, ended careers. But you know what, man? Like you said, you know, wrapping up and things like this, you and I can talk until the cows come home, but we got to get RD back on again and get to that 60 minute Broadway and have that conversation because it was fun. There's so much more we can talk about, but you know what, man, I, I think you and I, maybe and I'm saying this cause I got to get some moving on to other things today. You know, you and I, I think we need to save a little bit more of this conversation and we'll bring back RD Reynolds. But for today, I think maybe it's time to just kind of wrap it up a little bit, say goodbye to the fans and you know, we'll get RD back on again soon. Oh, absolutely. That's a great way to go home on. Good, good thing to go home on. Mike, always a pleasure having you on uh, from, from deep in the heart of Texas down there in the mobile studio. We're going to get RD back on the program. We've got great guests still to come. I think uh, a lot of people just need to stay tuned to find out what we're shaking and what's happening here with wrestling Memories then and now for the Grizzled Vet Mike McCurdy. I'm Glenn Broggett. So long for now. <laughs>